Welcome, welcome, hello and welcome. I'm so glad you could join me. I am Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, or in cases like today, 7.02 Mountain Time. And glad you could join us. We're going to start like we always do with our shipment report. We have a cool giveaway tonight for those that want to win some scuds. We'll get into that in a moment. And we have an update on our warehouse. And then we have an import update. So we'll be going through all the fish that we got in with you today. So you can see all the new stuff. Um, I promised I would do that last week. So I will hold to my promise. But I got my weeks mi mixed up. Usually I would do this next week on Wednesday. And then the fish would uh, be listed for sale on Friday. Um, so I'm doing it today since I told you I would. But the fish won't be listed for sale until next week. Friday of next week. So... Um, but since I told you I'd do it today, <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to, you know, disappoint anyone that made their schedule so they could be here to see all the new fish that we got in. Um, if they, if they put that on their schedule, then I figured I should honor that. So we're going to do that. But first the shipment report, we did have one issue this week. Um, a Sultan Pleco arrived DOA. I, I hate to say that. I love the Sultan Pleco so much and um, not sure what happened. I've asked for a report to see if there was a temperature issue or if the box was banged up or if the bag was deflated or if there is anything obvious on the fish itself that could give us a clue because whenever we do lose a fish, then we try to figure out what caused that simply because we want to uh, fix that so it never happens again in the future. So. We're looking into that with the customer, but unfortunately we did have one loss. Um, first loss though, in several weeks. So we're still doing well, but uh, you hate to lose anything. And when you do lose something, you really hate for it to be a salt and pleco. So I apologize to that customer. I, you know, I wish I knew what happened. We'll see if we can figure it out. Often we never do know though. Luckily it doesn't happen often, so that's good. Maria Z letting me know that the audio and video are good. Thank you, Maria. I appreciate that. I was able to do my normal startup process and procedure. <laughs> um, it's like launching the space shuttle. You have to click the knobs and turn the levers and exactly click the turn the levers, pull the levers and turn the knobs in exactly the right order or it doesn't work. So that's the shipment report. The warehouse update. Let me show you this. We're getting wrapped and we're pretty close to being able to get um, the siding on and get dried in. So here's what the warehouse looked like this evening. Just about done getting all this Tyvek on. And then you can't see it from this picture, but this third or quarter of the warehouse has been wrapped on, this, on the roof as well. So to see that, Here's what it looks like when you're standing inside the warehouse looking up. Um, got some, some Tyvek up there just as a vapor barrier and such. So that's where we're at on the warehouse. I wish it was further, but it's not. <laughs> um, let's skip right to the giveaway. So the giveaway tonight is for some scuds. For those that do not know what scuds are, they are these terrifying looking creatures right here. <laughs> They're like a quarter inch long 
little uh, shrimp-like creature, a proto-shrimp, if you will. They're technically called amphipods. They live in many, many bodies of water. And the reason I like them is they're super hardy, easy to keep, easy to raise in large numbers, and fish love them, and they're very good algae eaters. So the way I culture them is um, I have a video on my channel of how to, how to culture scuds. So check that out if you want all the details. But basically, I treat them like fish. So I set up a bare bottom aquarium as if I was going to keep fish in it. I put in a sponge filter. They have aeration and all that. I do water changes in it just like I would if I had fish in there. And I feed them very heavily, usually with vegetable-based material. They'll eat anything. But if you can put in like a chunk of zucchini or something, um, they'll eat on that and it won't kind of, if you do the right size, the zucchini will be stable in the aquarium for a couple days and give them time to eat it. And it won't just break down automatically and foul your water and make your water nasty. So I like fresh veggies like that. Things that will stay in the water for a while um, and not disintegrate and make a mess quickly. Algae wafers they'll eat. And sometimes I feed them those in a pinch, but if I feed too many, then they, they that'll create a, a mess. Now, one thing with this is they're very hardy, so you can feed quite a lot once the aquarium is stable. You might get cloudy water, you might get green water, all that. The scuds don't care. As long as they have food and the tank is cycled, they should be fine. They're very hardy, little critters. So um, to, to harvest them, I'll put a piece of zucchini or something on a fork, stick it down in the tank, once it's covered with thousands of scuds, I'll take a fine net, like a, a big brine shrimp net, lift up the piece of zucchini, net it out, and shake all the scuds off. And then I've got just thousands of scuds for my puffers or what have you. Um, I don't right now have enough scuds to sell or to supply a lot of people. I have puffers and other, other critters that I get in that I like to start off eating scuds. It's a good first food for them after import and, and they... Well, they like to eat them all the time. So um, I don't have a lot right now, but I'm hoping in the near future, I'm working on getting a culture up to size so that I could sell them and provide them to people. A lot of people have reached out and um, it's one of my most frequent requests. Can I get some scuds? And I've had to turn a lot of people down. So just cause I don't have, you know, I have to make sure I have enough for my own needs so I don't get a group of puffers in or pipefish or whatever, and then not have scuds for them for the first week that they're here because um, that would be irresponsible on my part so but I'm, I'm working on getting some for you guys as well it'll take a little while but I'm working on it I've heard you is what I want you to know um, as far as algae control they're amazing algae eaters any kind of algae at all blackbeard algae hair algae the worst kinds of algae um, I've even had to eat blue green algae um, they'll eat the only kind of algae they can't eat is green water. Free-floating algae, tiny, tiny little microscopic free-floating algae, they can't eat. But anything that's benthic, any algae that clings on a surface and grows on a surface, they'll eat just fine. All of them. I've never met an algae they wouldn't eat. So what I like to do is I, I keep a culture of them. And anytime a plant gets clogged with algae in one of my aquariums, 
I don't throw the plants away. I just take it, put it in the scud aquarium for a while. Within a couple days, they'll have eaten all the algae off it, Blackbeard or whatever. Blackbeard's the one that I kind of hate the most. It'll choke out my water sprite. It'll grow right at the crown and cover the roots and where the leaves want to come out and just rob them of the ability to grow. So I'll take that or, you know, whatever plant I have that's struggling with algae, move it to the scud tank, leave it there for a couple days. Then once the scuds have eaten all the algae, I just take the plant out, put it back in the aquarium. Um, It's nice and clean. It can thrive and the fish get a little treat of the scuds that were stuck on the plant. So it works really well. So if you would like to win some of these little nightmares, then it's pretty simple. Hashtag scuds. Hashtag S-C-U-D-S. If you enter that into the chat, you will be entered to win um, some scuds. And we'll, we'll, we'll draw that later on tonight. Now, hopefully, YouTube does not confuse that with any kind of missile or something like that. <laughs> think that scuds is a bad thing. It's not. It's just a little name for an amphipod. But... Um, Yeah, hopefully that doesn't get us in in hot water. (laughs) Okay. Now let's get to, I don't know, is it the main event? I always feel like your questions and and comments are the main event, but we'll get to those in a bit. First, I want to go over what came in the import with you. Lots of stuff. We have stuff for most people. If you're into um, peaceful aquarium fish, we probably have something with you, for you. We're going to start with the Corydoras. The first one is one that I really like, Corydoras Carla A. I love it because it's from Argentina and Paraguay or Uruguay. I think, you know, that that area. Um, and for those that don't know, I, I spent a couple of years in Argentina and I studied Argentine theater for my graduate studies. So I, it's near and dear to my heart. But there's, there are these guys Super cute little mottled quarry, and they don't get super big. They're not dwarf dwarf like Pygmaeus or Histatus or Hebrosus, but they, they stay fairly small. So neat little fish, more elongate than your typical Corydor that you would see in a pet store. These I absolutely love. I think they're just the cutest. These are Cipalloweeny. How fun is that to say? <laughs> and they have this thick black or a thick spine on their dorsal that's accentuated by this black here and it makes it look like their dorsal fin is really elongated and big and then they have this nice bar here and some pattern anyway super cute little fish hard to find and um, i'm thrilled to have a nice healthy batch these are pygmaeus corridors pygmaeus cute little dwarf corridor pygmy corridor doesn't get geez uh, you know an inch would be a big one and um they like to school a lot. They swim mid-water more than your average quarry. So they're not always on the bottom. They're on the bottom a lot, but they'll also group up and swim around in like the bottom third of the aquarium. And super cute little little fish. Uh, one of the favorites for most people. We finally got them. Corridors Equus. Um, I'm thrilled to have them. Beautiful blue Corridoras with bright orange on them. They really are as pretty as the pictures make them seem. Once they settle in, that blue comes out and that orange comes out and they're just gorgeous. I don't know if this is my favorite quarry ever, but I think it might be. 
just because of the beautiful coloration. They're doing super well. Uh, no, no issues, no losses with this batch. The only problem is they're going to be quite costly. Um, there's a huge shortage of this fish right now. The, they're, they're not bred by many suppliers and the supplier that does breed them did not have a good year breeding them and was only able to breed and raise a few. So they cost me quite a bit more than they did last year, but they're healthy, they're happy, um, and they're beautiful. They're just going to be expensive. All right. This is the flag paled, flag paled, flag tailed panda cory. If you look, it looks like a little panda cory, but it's got this flag tail. Uh, the species name, I'm going to try this. Oipoquensis, I believe is how you might say it. It's one of the most ridiculous species names as far as just getting a, a, a dude like me to try to say it. Um, <laughs> but they're really neat, really neat cory. And I've had issues with them in the past, but this batch came in wonderfully. So this is an important little segue. So Corydoras are often difficult to ship. And you're like, what? They're super common. Well, some are. But the reason they're difficult to ship is they have really sharp spines. And if you put a bunch of them in a bag together, they can spine each other. They're not mean, they're just scared and they can really injure each other. So often you'll get a group in and it's like, uh, it's obvious that that happened. The other thing that can happen is a lot of quarries release a toxin. Most of you know about this. Um, when they're stressed, they can release a toxin and that can literally kill the quarry when it's in a sealed environment like a bag or kill all the quarries around it. If you have a group of them in a bag, one of them gets scared, has some toxin in its system and ejects it, um, that can be a problem for the whole batch. So my supplier really cares about his fish, thankfully, the, the breeder I get these from, and is working really hard to preserve pure species of quarries and plecos and other fish, and is, I don't think sees them as commodities. I think really respects the animal. So this import came from that kind of person. So we've been going back and forth trying to solve how to make this work right. And we've settled on individual packaging. So every Corridor that I got in this shipment, and this is many hundreds of Corys, was individually bagged and there was a marked improvement. Things weren't perfect, but they never are when you do an import, but much, much better than past imports. So having an importer that's, or an exporter, I suppose, a supplier, a breeder, who's willing to do that and go through all the work of individual, individually bagging every fish to make sure that it has the best chance of surviving just because they are people that actually care about the fish makes a world of difference and is very hard to find. So far, I've only found two suppliers, um, this one and one out of Africa, that are willing to do that kind of work to ensure the fish uh, do well. Now it can cost more, um, but I, I'm willing to pay it. So for those that don't know dansfish.com, the store that I sell on, you'll notice a lot of our prices are on the higher end. The reason for that is we're trying really hard not to be the cheapest, but to be the most humane, to change the supply chain in such a way that um, 
the best way I can think of it is instead of being shoved into an old time prison car out in the desert that doesn't have heating and air and you're just shoved in there like sardines and good luck to you, you know, that kind of thing, like a cattle car. Instead of that, we're trying to upgrade them to first class on an airplane, right? Where they have their own seat. They're still stressed. Travel's always stressful. But if you're in a first class seat versus a cattle car, it's a lot less stressful. So we're, we're trying to do an upgrade like that so that the fish have the best experience possible. And when you do that, it costs more. It costs the supplier time and labor and materials um, to do that. And it costs on our end time. Imagine having to un to like cut, I don't know, 500 individual bags open and let each fish out individually. How much more work that is than um, opening five bags of 100 fish each and just opening that and pouring them into a tank, right? It, it takes a lot more work. But that's what our goal is here at Dan's Fish. And we're serious about this. We aren't just talking about this for lip service. We're, we're doing the work to try to make this happen. We're paying the price to make it happen because we think it's a better way to do things. It's more humane and it makes us feel good when we do that, when we do it right by the fish and they thrive as opposed to, um, you know, doing the old industry standard that's been around since world war two, basically um, where, where fish have a much harder journey and you can see it in the health of the fish when they arrive, there's, they're less healthy and there's higher losses. Um, so, I'm really thrilled that that this supplier is doing that. So these quarries came in in pretty darn good shape. I've had trouble with this species in the past. I've tried it a few times. Often I have to quarantine them for an extra month just to make sure they're stable because they don't ship well together in a bag. But this time we did the individual bags and I don't think there were any losses. Random arms, were there any losses of those? Random arms can't hear me as a headset on, but he, I think he's the one that unbagged that particular batch. And I don't, I don't think there's been any issues. So anyway, sorry about the segue, but you know, that's kind of what we're here for at dance fish. That's our whole reason for being. So I don't know every now and then I like to talk about it <laughs> and the success with that species versus our experiences before with that species made me think about it and know that it's working. Some Corridor's CW62s, super cute little fish. I've never had this one before, but this batch is rock solid. They're doing wonderfully hard fish to find, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have these as well. By the way, all of these quarries are aquarium bred and raised. We're not going out and taking a whole bunch from the wild or anything like that. These were bred and raised by a breeder. So um, they're, they're used to aquarium life. They're, they're in much better condition than some of the parasite-ridden, emaciated fish you can get if you get wild-collected. Um, and the, the strain that they go through, through that whole process, and the sometimes weeks, literally, between when they're collected and they, and they land here in the United States. So it's, it's a good supplier. These are Joffrey. <laughs> Jeffroy? I think it's Joffrey. Maybe it's Jeffrey? I don't know. Um, am I going uh, Game of Thrones there? Joffrey. <laughs> but one that I've never had before, a, a long-nosed variety. We only have a few of these. They're big. These guys are, oh, two, two and a half inches maybe. Uh, something like that. 
This one I am thrilled about. This is Corydoras CW153. The species name is Charisidium, and they look just like a darter tetra. They, they have that, that perch behavior. They're long and slender. They look and behave just like a darter tetra. So, um, Charisidium darter tetra. So here's what I mean. Did I spell that correctly? So here is a darter tetra perched up on his fins. And here is, where was it? The Corydoras Charisidium. They're mimicking each other. Now, I need to dig into this, but I, I bet you that anything that I would find out when I dig into this, that these live in the same rivers together and that there's a mimicry behavior happening here. But anyway, super unique Cory, long and slender, small. I, I, you know, they, maybe they get bigger, but right now they're pretty small. I've never seen them very big. And, um, well, I've never seen them alive before. So <laughs> I've never seen them in person before at all, big or small, but I'm, I'm thrilled to have them. They're funky little fish. I'm, I'm still, I think they're eating the baby brine shrimp, but they are not transitioning to pellets and things like that very quickly. So they might need a little extra time, but we're working with them and, oh, they're just so interesting. So unique for a quarry. All right, Mete, the bandit quarry, for obvious reasons. They look like a bandit. <laughs> then we have some um, duplicarious, which are very, very similar to Adolfoy, or, um, but uh, a different species, very difficult to tear, tell apart, but just as pretty as Adolfoy. Okay, that is group number one. Now I need to find, there's a couple more pages of these. We've got a lot of fishing. Hopefully this is fun for folks. Okay, I need to wet my whistle. Hmm. Oh, you know what? I forgot to put Threadfin a car on here. Albino thread from Nakara. We were able to get some more. And they're doing pretty good. I'm, I'm thrilled because those can come in really rough sometimes. All right. So we're going to look at some odds and ends here, and then we're going to get into a bunch of Placostomus that we got in. So first, um, Pseudogastromyzon zebrinus. This is the, the zebra hillstream loach. And Instead of dots, they have all these little stripes on them, little kind of banded pattern. And that doesn't show up well. You can kind of see the stripes there. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that's showing you some stripes. This one's pretty spotty, but more of a banded pattern than your typical spotted hillstream loaches. We did get some more of the giant uh, coolie loach. Everyone that got them last time. Was there any exceptions? They did really well for people last time. People like them and they get larger than your average coolie loach. So I, to me, I like a big coolie loach. I like to be able to see it. <laughs> right now they're not big, but they'll, they'll grow, you know, four or five inches. In fact, a customer emailed me, I think, 
how big did they say they were? They emailed me a little while ago. They got some from a while ago. Holy cow. <laughs> Alexander's doing it again. You know, okay. Anyway, anyway, they get big. So quick segue into Alexander's $200 super chat. Alexander, thank you so much. Validation of entertainment value. So in large part, because of how crazy generous Alexander was last live stream, um, I got together with the team. We've been talking about whether it would be smart to go to Louisville or Louisville or Louisville, however you say it, Kentucky uh, in July to go to the convention. And basically the consensus was you can't not go based on how many super chats you got last week in order to help you go. So we priced it all out. Um, we were planning on going. I'm planning on going now with the caveat that if something came up last minute, I, I, I would have to pull out. Um, but I, I reserved the, the room at the hotel where the convention's being held. And there's, you know, you can cancel within 48 hours. So I was like, oh, okay. So I'll buy the airfare about three months before and I'll know much better then if it's actually going to work out based on how things are going at the warehouse. That's the big unknown. We're about to move into a brand new facility with what I think is a very innovative um, system that I don't, I've never seen done before that we kind of custom made and engineered. But anytime you're breaking new ground like that, you don't know what could go sideways on you. So we're planning on going, we don't know a hundred percent, but we're, we're taking steps to, to get there. So um, that's in large part because of Alexander and everyone last week who threw a bunch of money at us. Thank you so much. It's always appreciated, never required. Seriously, it's never required, but it does help a lot. And, um, and it's going to, I think, make it possible for us to, to make this trip. So I just want to thank Alexander and everyone that helped out uh, last week. Anyway, um, giant coolie loaches. Pandagara, I don't think I'll spend too much time on these guys because most people know them. Um, the most colorful Gara that I know of and uh, great algae eater, just wonderful little fish. I have nothing bad to say of the, about them. The only thing about them is they do jump or crawl, I suppose, out of the aquarium, so have a lid, um, but, but they're wonderful little fish. Eddie, throwing down five bucks, so I wanna get it before it disappears. Hey Dan, do you know if you will get any Radnocentris ornatus from Evan's Head? They're my favorite color of that species and you sold them before. Eddie, I, I'm not planning on it because Marcel breeds and raises them and sells them himself. And since he breeds and raises them himself, he can sell them for less than I can. So I would refer you to Marcel at getgills.com. Let me just show you who I'm talking about. And this is a very, very well-respected gentleman in the rainbow fish community. He's been to Australia. He's been collecting he's collected his own rainbow fish. Um, he has known provenance on his lines. So you get pure lines, um, a, a true expert in rainbow fish. He goes around and he does rainbow fish lectures and presentations and talks at fish clubs. Um, here he is. 
Oh, look at that picture on the front. So this is Marcel, Marcel's fish. And okay, it doesn't look like he has any available right now, but if you reach out to him, view store details, this is where you can just fill this field out and reach out to him. You might have some. I do have one. I have one Radnocentris ornatus from Evan's head. It's a little male that um, they were breeding in the tank and he just, he, he was a volunteer. <laughs> he just appeared and lived. So if you want the one, um, let me know, Eddie. Send me an email, dan at dancefish.com. I don't have them listed for sale just because it's just one fish. Um, but yeah, let me know. Stephen P, 2003, Aquartics. I got my room booked for Louisville already because I knew in my heart you would make the right decision. <laughs> that must be what Random Arms was laughing at a few minutes ago. <laughs> He's over here cracking up. And I was like, what? What? Must have been that. Kelly Foreman, 1999. Can't wait to meet you in Louisville. Hey, you as well, Kelly. I'm really looking forward to it. And thank you so much for the super chat. Always appreciated, never required, but it does make my wife super happy when money falls out of the computer screen. All right, back to what we're doing. We did bring in some more of these silver dollars, Blackberry silver dollars. So I went back and forth on it because they, they do grow large and I'm always wary of getting a large fish in that could outgrow my tanks. And I don't wanna be part of the problem of, um, you know, like the red-tailed catfish or whatever, supplying fish that get too big and people buy them because they think they're cool. And then after a while they realize, oh man, these things have grown out of my tank, right? I think that happens to large fish way more than it should. But I had a really good experience with them last time. The people that bought them um, knew about they were going to get big, were, were, had large tanks for them. And I, I think at the price point of $125 each, although the new batch will be a little more expensive because they were more expensive for me this time. They came in a little bigger and um, everything's gone up. Uh, everything's more expensive, sorry. <laughs> but anyway, I think that the higher price point helps. If you can go get like a red-tailed catfish for, I don't know, under 10 bucks, let's say, it's, it's very likely that you, someone might just buy that fish and since it's cheap, treat it poorly. But these are expensive enough that so far, everyone that's bought them and we've you know talked with and stuff is, has been willing to put in the work. Um, one person bought, I think we sold a group of 12 of them to one person. They have a gigantic tank. We sold them a dozen. So when you're putting in that kind of money, um, you're taking good care of the fish. And I, I hate, hate, hate equating fish to a dollar amount because I think the value of a fish is intrinsic in the organism itself. But, you know, money does have an impact on how people treat things. Okay, let's get into the plecos. We got some more snowball plecos. Most people know these fish. Look at Jadron knows these fish. Hey, Jadron. <laughs> What's up, Jason? Um, beautiful little fish, dark with bright spots all over it. We brought in some more L136s and we brought in the A's. So the batch we got before was the 136B 
which is um, a different color pattern. So we brought in the 136As this time. Lots of small, really distinct spots all over them. Uh, and they, they look more like, I don't know if this is actually one, but this is what they look more like. Let's see, let's see what this is. What is this one? Okay, yeah, so this to me looks like an A. Whereas, yeah, let me let me get off that here. Whereas what I had before was something like like this. A little the spots are a little less distinct. It's a, it's a little more muddy. Something like that, right? In fact, do I have a picture of it? Let's try this. <laughs> I can show you my own picture. Here it is. So that's. That's what, what mine looked like um, from that to that and everything in between, the, the previous batch. So wanted to get some uh, a different kind of them in because I like them a lot and they did really well for us. Some Queen Arabesques, the L260, so pretty, especially right now. They're, they're little. Right now they're maybe an inch, so they're dark, dark black with a lot of real fine white lines on them. They're really pretty right now. And, and I mean, they grow into beautiful fish too. Okay, here is the 173B. We got more of them. They did really well for us last time and everyone who got them really liked them. Um, the Bs have a lot more dark coloration and less defined striations than the um, normal 173s but we also brought in the normal 173s. So for those that know this, this is a super, this is right up there with the 236 super whites as far as hard to find and price points and everything. Um, it's hard to find L130s or uh, 173s uh, that, are, that aren't the B. There's a lot of the Bs out there. It's really hard to find these guys. So I'm thrilled to say we got some in. They are not going to be cheap. They were difficult to find, um, but they look like a 173B, but with a clear pattern, clearly delineated striations, um, just, just a different fish. Not this. That, to me, looks like a zebra pleco. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sometimes things don't always come out clearly in a Google search. But for those that know plecos, you'll, you'll, you'll be excited. You'll know what I'm talking about. The 174, another very difficult uh, Placostomus to find. Um, ocelots, sometimes they're called because they have all these spots on them. And the batch is doing fantastic, so I'm, I'm thrilled with them. Now, some of them are more spotted than others. Um, let's see if I can find one. Yes, yeah, this one has kind of more, uh, more striping in it. Here we go. There's some striping in it. So they, they range from having some striping to having just pure spots. There is a range in them. The 264s, these are the Sultan Plecos, one of my all-time favorites. Um, I think they look great. Even when they get big and lose the white tips, I still think they're a beautiful fish. And they've done really well for us. Like, I think this is my fourth or fifth time getting them in the last year, and, and they're doing fantastic. We do have some 471s. These are the mini snowballs. They top out at two to two and a half inches. They along with another hypensistrous type that I forget the, the number of right now, are the smallest 
of the hypencystris type pleco. So if you want a beautiful pleco that doesn't get more than, you know, two, two and a half inches, um, these are great. They don't get too big at all. All right, the 262s. Beautiful little spotted pleco. Looks a lot like the um, 236. Wait, did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, it looks a lot like the 236. Where am I? One more. No, one more. Um, but has a little different shaped body. The head is very triangular on these guys. I don't know if you can quite tell. But when you look at them from above, do we have a top-down shot? I don't think we do. Nope. The, uh, the head is very distinctly shaped. Some 450s. My first time with the 450s, so I don't know a whole, whole ton about it other than it's a pretty little zebra type um, hypencystris. 400s. It's taking a minute so everyone can look at them. I, I would say this is very accurate to what a 400 looks like. Somewhere between that and yeah, and, and this and everywhere in between. And this. Some of, so some of them have the striations are more connected than others. Um, this one is maybe a little more spotted. We also brought in some more 236s, but these are not the super whites. And I would say they look something more like this over here than a super white, which would be something like this. So for folks that like the 236, this would be more the wild type 236. Still a beautiful fish, but not the super white variant. So they're not as, they're, they're still pretty expensive, but they're not as expensive as the L236 Super Whites. So I wanted to bring them in to give people a choice. And then albino thread finicaras, which are fantastic. Just such a beautiful fish. Now, right now, and until they get to about two and a half inches or so, they look a lot like this. Pretty much a white fish with some sparkles, a little orange and red and, and yellow on them but they look pretty much like that. But once they hit about two and a half inches or so, they start getting really pretty. They start getting elongated um, sections on their fins and they start growing into just spectacular, spectacular fish. All right, so that's two out of three. We've got another one of these to go. I hope people are enjoying this. <laughs> it was quite the import and we're excited about it. So we're about to switch to some rainbow fish and things like that. So I need to wet my whistle. Mitchell Broom, nice. Some of the larger lineage one quarries. Yeah, I'm trying to get, so there's nine different lineages of Corydoras. Uh, you can think of them as like, I don't know, would, would tribes be an appropriate term that scientists sometimes use? Um, groups that are, de are derived from a like type if you will. So there are several hundred species of quarries named and unnamed. It's a massive group of fish. In fact, one day they're going to make our lives very difficult by reclassifying them so that it's no longer um, quarries. We're going to have probably instead of 
a group called Corydoras with nine different clads in it, nine different lineages. We're going to probably end up with nine different genuses at some point when someone does the work. And that's going to make our lives difficult. But um, so a lineage is derived from kind of more or less a common ancestor or a like fish. So there's all these different lineages that are similar to each other to the other fish in the lineage, but, but quite different from other lineage groups uh, that, that are really interesting. It's, it's interesting to read about and learn about. So I, I, I try to get them from different lineages so we aren't just doing the same thing over and over. Okay, I've had my, my water. <sighs> Here we go. Okay. An excellent batch of Luminatus, Pseudomugil Luminatus, the uh, neon red blue-eyed rainbow fish. Really, really nice batch. Uh, we brought in, um, I think like, how many do we bring in? We brought in a lot of them. Oh, it doesn't tell me here. And we, we brought in several because it's a high demand fish and we have a great supplier of them and they're doing fantastic. So I'm glad for that. These are Melanotania bosmani from Atinjo, and this time we got pears, which is awesome. So we'll be able to sell these as pears. They're larger. They came in uh, already with nice color on the males, two and a half inches or so. And now they were more expensive because we brought them in as pears and at a larger size. But for people that don't want to wait six to six months to a year for the, their bosmani to color up, excuse me, and want to be able to get pairs, um, we're, we're, we're able to do that. So we kind of tested it out last time and got some larger ones. We knew they would be more expensive, so we didn't know if that would price people out, but they sold really fast. It seems like uh, people, instead of getting like a, a one inch fish that they'll have to wait a long time for it to color out, we're like, oh good, it's already colored, that's fine, I'll pay a little more for it. So it worked out. So this time we brought in a lot of them. I think we have 32 pairs available. So I, I guess that's not a ton, but um, it was awesome to see that they were already sexed out for us and everything. And so we can, you know, most people that, not most, a lot of people that get rainbow fish, especially the more expensive ones, like location specific Bosmani and, and, and all these that I'm about to show you pretty much, um, they want to breed them. Or, or they want some females so the males display and get their full color. And often, often I don't bring in the larger ones just because I'm worried that people won't pay the extra for them. So it's working out though. So I think I'll do it more often. Okay. Ogilby uh, These pictures are making this fish look ugly. Um, no offense to whoever took the picture. Okay, here's one with some color. Anyway, a pretty little fish and stays small. So tops out at maybe around three inches. So they're not going to outgrow your 55-gallon aquarium or whatever. They don't get to be five to seven-inch monsters like a lot of rainbows. So I think they're more manageable. Like in a 40 breeder, I think you could get a group of them. I do. Um, Chulatharina alani wapoga just a perennial favorite because because look how pretty they are i mean this is just one of the most spectacular fish out there and this i mean they look every bit this good when they fully fire up i don't feel like these pictures are exaggerations they're they're super pretty 
Not now. <laughs> they have to grow. <laughs> but everyone wants them all the time, and that's why. Chilotherina blairi, another absolutely stunning one. Here's a picture of ours that we took. This, this guy was – these get large. I would say that this one – Gets six inches, might get even a little bigger than six inches. In this picture I took was of a two, two and a half inch male. So he still has a lot of growing to do, but he was already getting really pretty, getting a nice blaze. And um, this is an adult. You can tell that he's older because he's getting the deeper body. Here's one, deeper body. So as they grow and they get that deeper body, they'll also get more coloration. But a really pretty one, and this time... The last couple of times we've brought them in, um, I haven't been able to see a lot of clear males. So I was like, okay, please send me some males. So they sent me males. So <laughs> I'm able to send, <laughs> send some males out, which is good. Um, now, I think that there were males in the other group, but they, they came in so small, I couldn't be sure. And these don't really start to sex out, for me anyway, clearly until about two and a half inches or so. Um, Melanotania from Kiunga. Just a really pretty fish and hard to find. And I, I have a good source for them who, who breeds them and raises them. And so I thought I'd bring them in again, just because every time I do, they sell really quickly because they're just such a neat and hard to find fish. Glossolepis gedomen village. These are pretty. For those that know your Glossolepis, you'll know this fish. This is one that I can't keep in stock. These sell out super fast. So... I was glad I was able to get some more. The, the breeder had some more available. These are the Trifosciata from Hapgood River. A beautiful, big Trifosciata. And I think it's actually Hapgood, even though often you see it written Habgood. But maybe I'm the one that's wrong. Angfo would know. Let's see. Sometimes these are things that are lost in translation. Let's just take a quick side trip to Angfa and let's see if they have. So this will be their Trifosciatas, but let's see if we can find one from. They're from Northern Australia, in case you're wondering. Um, that's Running Creek, Gap Creek, Olive River, Goiter River. And that's it. Okay, let's just do a quick thing here. Hapgood. No results. Hapgood. No results. Okay, inconclusive. Can't tell from that. I think it's Hapgood. Anyway, whatever it's called, it's a beautiful rainbow fish. We have some Melanotania picta, uh, another one that's hard to keep in stock, and here's why. I mean, they're literally called, the species name picta means painted because they're so, they're so pretty. They just look stunning. Now, it takes a while to get there. Um, ours aren't big yet. They aren't showing a ton of color, but they'll, they'll turn into real nice fish. Melanotania from Caladiri, one that grows on you. It doesn't look great when it's small. Like, okay, so here's, here's a, a small one, right? But as they grow, they start getting more colored. They get these oranges and a lot of green. The green does not come through on camera for some reason. Here's a picture of one of mine that I took, starting to give you an idea of the color, but I can't get a good picture of these guys. But they are a really pretty, nice, bold colored fish. Chilotherina cali awalum. If you like blue, 
Uh, Rainbow fish, this is a good option for you. Uh, if you don't want Lasustris or Kamaka or one of those other ones, um, Calliowallum is a Chilotherina and uh, has a nice blue color to it. And by the way, when they flash, uh, anyone, it's hard to catch the flash, but it's vibrant. They were doing it yesterday. Um, really, really pretty. Like lightning, just right up the blaze. There were three of them in a group going circling. All right, so we also have some Cali Timbuni. Um, I don't have a great picture of Cali Timbuni. Um, Johannes Graf. Okay, you can't go wrong with Johannes Graf's pictures. Here's a here's a picture. Um, Cali Hamas, or is it Jamas? It's probably Jamas. <laughs> the the Spanish speaker in me turns J's into H's too frequently. Another really interesting fish that's that's hard to get. Sex lineata from Tabubu, one of my all-time favorites. Bright gold fish with some orange on it and bright pink lips. And rubro vitata, which is like a neon dwarf rainbow, stays small, maybe around three inches. And uh, the difference is they get these beautiful red striations on the body horizontally. So they're really pretty fish. If you like the neon dwarf rainbow and want to up your game, <laughs> you like that kind of size and that attitude and that kind of coloration, um, these, these, old, these are awesome. So compare that to dwarf neon, it's the praycocks. So really similar fish. The difference is these get the red on the on the fins and not the body, whereas this one, uh, let's see if I can show. This one, pictured by Gary Ling, awesome, gets the, the red striations on the body and maybe a little less red in the fins. So just a, just a little different flavor. Now the two new ones that we got in that I've never seen before, and I, I don't I don't know if anyone has them in the United States besides me. Um, Gary Lang might have one of these because he was on the trip where they collected them. I don't have a picture because the pictures are super hard to find. <laughs> but one is Cali Kyber. I'll, I'll type it in here just so you can see how to spell it. Cali Kyber. And... I, I don't think we're going to find an image. I found one reference to it. Maybe if I put the species there. I found one reference to it here. Was it here? Anyway, I found a, a reference to it on a, a Rainbow Fish uh, organization's site, but no pictures or anything. It just said someone in Bulgaria has this. And the other one that we brought in which is, I'm super thrilled to have. Very new fish. Is Cali Lumpur. Um, I don't think we're gonna find an image. No. Um, must include Lumpur. Let's see if we get lucky here. Nope. Um, yeah, I, I just can't find I just can't find an image to share with you. They're they're 
too new, but it's Cali Lumper and Cali Kyber um, are the, the two that I was really excited about that I've been talking about for a few weeks. But I think if they're not, if this isn't their first time in the United States, it's darn close to it. Now, there's a couple other fish that we got that I did not have time to get pictures of because if you notice, I was a couple minutes starting this live stream because I was still hunting for pictures uh, for the Kyber and Lumper and I, I couldn't find them. Um, but we got some more of the uh, Sudedanio axelrodi. So it's the um, blue axelrodi danio. We got some more CPDs, celestial pearl danios, some... Um, Poro Panchax, I believe it's the Luxothalmus, the green neon. I'll have to, it's, they notoriously misidentify um, the Poro Panchax and Congo Panchax species. This one was, was sold to me as Macrothalmus, Micro Panchax Macrothalmus, but I'm pretty darn sure it's the Luxothalmus, but I'll get some confirmation on that. And then some more of the, um, Hephaestus brycon, um, the the orange Bolivian lemon tetras. People have been really liking those. Let me shut down all these tabs so I don't crash my computer. I'm, I'm glad the computer's been going this whole time. There's a lot of windows open, and then we'll turn the tables and uh, get to your questions and comments. That's what we have going on. Um, sorry that took almost an hour, but it's a lot of new fish and I know people have been waiting to hear what we got. We plan to list most of these Friday of next week. We, we give everything at least two weeks in quarantine. It could be longer. Um, for example, those Corydoras caracidiums, the, the 153s that look like a little darter tetra, haven't got them onto pellets yet. Some of the Placostomus aren't over onto pellets yet. Um, there's some fish that, I don't think there's anyone in here right now that is like sick or ill that I'm worried won't get through quarantine okay. The batch came in fantastic. When your supplier individually bags, it really helps. Um, but I want to make sure that they're comfortable in aquarium life and comfortable with the foods we feed in the United States before I send them out. So we're still working on that on a few of the species. Um, I also got several types of guppies and endlers in, I think 14 different types. Well, I ordered 14, I think only like 12 arrived, something like that. Um, we got female pandas because right, we've only had male pandas for a few months, so I got some females. I tried to get female uh, Santa Maria endlers, but they were shorted on the order, so I don't have any of those. Um, some other endlers and guppies. I'm not going to show those because the, the reason is they sell those under the common name and it's very confusing. So I'm still trying to parse out what the common name that my breeder in Indonesia uses means in America, <laughs> in the United States, and make sure I have them listed correctly. So it's hard to find pictures of that when I'm not even quite sure what which strains I have in United States uh, terminology. So I'm still looking into that. Um, but we did get several of those. One thing we want to do when the new warehouse comes online is crack the guppy code. For those that don't know, guppies used to be quite hardy. And then over the last several decades have gotten to the point where they're fairly weak. They don't do well after being imported. So there's something going on there in the supply chain. There, something's happening that is 
keeping people from being successful with them. And it's uh, if you just hang out in any around fish nerds for any length of time or Facebook groups or guppy groups or whatever, um, you'll hear over and over again people lamenting the fact that they they can't get healthy guppies. So I want to I want to crack that. I want to figure out what's going on and fix it and figure out how to get healthy guppies in to people. Um, so this is part of that test. We're testing out this supplier. We're testing out their methods. We're testing out some things that we do on our end to see if we can't fix that. And so that's what we're working towards. That's why we brought in the guppies and endlers the last couple of times. And thankfully, they seem to be doing pretty good. So, so far, so good. All right. My lips are dry. So while I, we're about to switch to you guys, but while I do that, get some lip balm. Okay. We're going to get to your questions and comments. Um, that's what's going on in our neck of the woods. Let's see what's going on with you. So if you have a question or comment, please type the at symbol, dance fish, select the dance fish option, and that will turn it bright orange, these bright orange things here. And that's what I look for when I'm scrolling through the chat, looking for things to respond to is these bright orange at dance fish uh, boxes. Before we start, I want to thank my moderators for being here and doing what they do, um, helping make this successful every week. If they weren't here, this would be a big mess. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for being here and helping keep the madness under control. We appreciate it. All right. Got a couple of super chats to burn through here. Liquid Zoo only fins. Good to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. 18 fish arrived alive and well from you today. Second batch of 173 bees are still thriving. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I'm glad we were able to work through that and get you a, a, a batch that you were successful with. That's awesome to hear. And we got another batch in too for anyone else that wants to try the 173 bees. Leo Contreras throwing down 4.99. I'm late. Well, off to the principal's office with you. <laughs> How did the Pleco shipment go? Awesome. Came in in good shape. Did you get everything you ordered? No, I never do. There's always a few that are shorted, but we got in most things. Keep up the good work. The Epistos and Plecos are doing good. I'm glad to hear it, Leo. Um, and if we, I went over the, the Plecos in detail earlier, they were one of the first groups of fish I talked about after the Corydoras, I guess they were the middle group. <laughs> so um, if you do a replay when we're done here, I'll show you in detail what we got in. Oops. Sorry, I did not realize the notifications on my phone were still beeping. Let me turn that off. Miss Bates and Genetics. <laughs> hey, good to see you, Emily. Thanks for the giveaway. Do you have any plans to stock more wild bettas in the near future? Um, yes and no. Yeah, how's that for an answer? There, there are some that I'll, I'll bring in. However, what I found is a lot of the wild type species of bettas just don't make a lot of business sense. So I have an amazing group of beta um, anabatoides in right now. They're as pretty as they're going to get. They're getting that beautiful green on them, which does not show up in photographs. They have nice long finnage. 
they're, they're like my pets. I go to feed them. They all come to the front of the tank. When I lift the lid to feed them, I have to be careful because they get so excited. They'll actually jump for the food. <laughs> they're, they're an awesome group of fish. I've been sitting on those for, it could be a year. And I think out of a batch of, I don't know, maybe we've sold over the course of a year, like five. To me, they're an amazing fish. They're hard to get. They're just the epitome of a giant, they're one of the largest species of mouth brooding bettas. And they're one of the, like, to me, they're like a, a touchstone for those large mouth brooding bettas. But they don't look like a macrostoma. They don't look like a, a chinoides or maybe it's conoides. I, I don't know. Um, they don't look like an album marginata or a rubra or a co cochina or a forchiae. Most of them don't. <laughs> so I've dabbled a little bit in that and I've, I've just found that they're generally poor sellers. The hobbyist in me one day will set up a breeding rack and bring in all kinds of wild type bettas and breed them and have fun and, and just enjoy them. But from a business side of things, so far I haven't figured out how to make wild type bettas work. Now there are some like Cochina I'll generally carry because they're beautiful and they're my, the ones I can get are coming hardy and I don't have any troubles with and my, uh, my customers do well with them. There's once I remember where a customer had trouble with them, but we fixed the issue, sent a new batch and this was years ago. Um, and they were successful with the next batch. So there's just some things with the tank we had to figure out, but in general, they do great. So we'll keep them because they sell because they're beautiful. They're small. They don't take up too much space. They're peaceful and they're not too expensive. Um, Forshi or Forshii, is that how you say it? I love and I'll bring in occasionally, but the price point that I need to sell them at, I can't. Last time I brought them in, I could not move them at the price point I needed to, to actually make it make sense for the business. I had to sell them for a lot less. So I was able to sell them, but basically for, you know, you can do a lot of work and make no money. And when you're a hobbyist, that's fine. But when you're trying to run a business and, um, you know, you're trying to not go out of business, <laughs> you have to be really careful the numbers. So some I will, some I won't. Um, the brown orum haven't sold very well, even though they're they're just as beautiful as as Chinoidi, um, I'm sorry, Cochina. The um, there's a couple others that I've had. And oh, what what is it? The call it the. I can't remember it right now. Anyway, there's another small species, and so that I have that hasn't sold very well. So it's tricky. So yes and no. There, there's a few that I'll keep that make sense when I can get pretty ones at a, at a price point that, um, I think I can move them, but that, that means most of the bettas are not going to be something we do very regularly, unfortunately. And by the way, it was wonderful to meet you. I hope you and Mr. Bates and genetics are doing great. I hope your goldfish is doing well. And, um, that, that tank is settled. Good to hear from you. Maria Z. Thanking me, Maria, thank you. Maria's been a, a huge supporter for a long time in more ways than one. And so thank you right back at you, Maria. I really appreciate you. By the way, for those that want to get some fish that Maria Z bred and raised herself, we have some Melanotania rubrostriata. Um, 
from Rawabiru listed at dancefish.com for sale. Those were bred and raised by Maria Z and they're fantastic. We haven't had any problems with them. They're getting prettier every day. All right, I'm gonna scroll up and see. Alexander's super chat is still hanging out there. <laughs> Thanks again, Alexander, I appreciate it. The first one that I can see, scrolling up as far as I can here, just can't go up any further, is from Cancer Train. Are the scuds from China or Russia? Um, so if you left a question or comment above that, I can't see it, feel free to list it below and I'll get down to it as much as time allows. <laughs> we have, uh, yeah, 23 minutes left. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Um, the scuds are from eBay. My original strain is from eBay. I don't know if they're Azteca or what. They were sold as Azteca, which makes me think they're probably from Mexico. I don't know for sure. But, you know, that was an eBay listing, so who knows for sure. But whatever they are, they're about a quarter inch full grown and fish level. I mean, I've had them for years, so I, I really don't know. And again, it was just an eBay listing, so I can't be sure they're Azteca. All right. <clears throat> Woo! What? Hemp with Gigi, can't believe there is a giveaway. We have a giveaway every week. And usually it's fish. This time it's scuds because lots of people were asking for them. But yeah, we have awesome giveaways every week. Oh, I missed I missed Leo's second question. Sorry, Leo. What's a good rainbow? I'm sorry, good dither rainbow fish in a 40-gallon breeder with a group of L-134s, a temp of 78 to 82. So as long as it's well oxygenated, um, I think most of the rainbow fish from Papua will do well at those temperatures. Um, and some of the ones from Australia too, Northern Australia should not be a problem. Um, so I think what you're asking is what rainbow fish would make a good dither in a 40 breeder for a group of L136s. Now, technically they're not rainbows, but we commonly call them rainbows. The Pseudomugils, um, Pseudomugil luminatus or Fricata or Gertrude, any of those. That's what I would suggest because you could get a big group of them in there and it would look awesome and you wouldn't have any problems between them and the 134s. However, if you actually mean rainbows like Melanotania or Chilotherina or Glossolepis or, or one of those, Radnocentris, stuff like that, um, then I think that, well, I think Kamakas would probably be okay. They, they don't get too big. A 40 might be a little cramped for them, but I don't think it would be cruel. Um, Ogilbeis, um, dwarf neon rainbows, rubrovitatas, any of the ones that stay around, you know, three inches or so, I think would be fine. It's more of a size issue, a full-grown, what's their full-grown size, than like an attitude issue. The one thing I will say is rainbows are very quick to the food. So they will hoard the food and outcompete plecos for it. The way I get around that is I just feed the rainbows, at, I'm sorry, the plecos at night after the lights go off and the room's dark and, and the rainbow fish can't find the food. So if you have a way of making sure the 134s get food, 
with a tank with rainbows in it, then I think any of the dwarf-type rainbows would probably be just fine. Again, for those, I think a four-foot long tank would be ideal. Well, a hundred-foot tank would be ideal, but, you know, it would, would be better. But I don't think a 40-gallon breeder is cruel for those smaller species. I think they'd be okay. Um, scrolling past... Oh, no, it's going to jump. Yeah, pff, just jumped again. Woo, okay, it jumped big time. The next one I can see, sorry about this is Hal's Fish. I bought eight Amazon puffers and treated treated them with Ikex, Marison, and Paracleanse. The day after adding Paracleanse, one puffer developed two pea-sized lumps on the side. Any clue what it is? No. I mean, when I see lumps on the side, are they like a lesion? Is it like a hard lump or is it like something opened up and now it's like soft and squishy? Um, there's all kinds of things that can cause lesions and lumps. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know what it is. I'm sorry. I mean, it, it might be worth in a case like this, finding an aquatic veterinarian um, and mailing them the fish so they can find out if it, has something that could be contagious to the other fish and and if so if it's treatable or not so you could get a handle on it but that's the only way i think well maybe you have a aquatic veterinarian locally that would be better um but i jumped to mailing the fish to them because so few of us have them locally but if you can get that fish to an aquatic veterinarian for diagnosis it, it might be worth it because if it does have something that the other fish in the group are likely to have, it would be good to know that. And if it's something that's treatable, then it's doubly good. Then you could take care of the problem. But I myself don't, wouldn't know what it is from that description. I'm sorry. I wish I could help you. Hey, Train, I'm struggling with some algae in my 20 gallon. I think it is green spot algae because it only comes off with a razor. Oh yeah, that's super rough stuff. Any tips on how I can get rid of it and prevent it from returning? I just scrub it. This tank gets green spot algae all the time. Uh, the plecos keep it down, but they can't really keep it off. And so I just take a scrubby pad and periodically have to scrub it off. So I don't know a way to prevent it. Um, there are great videos out there about algae control and how when you get algae, it's an imbalance between the amount of nutrients in the water and the amount of light you have. But there's a bajillion variables there. Um, and so I, I couldn't give you a quick fix other than to say, I just scrub it off with a, a scrubby pad and a lot of elbow grease. It does not come off easily. The only thing I know that can actually take it down as far as possible are scuds. Plecos do a pretty good job too, though, like bushy nose types. Um, but even the scuds can't get it off completely. There's all these little micro uh, cracks in fissures and glass, and that stuff will get in there. And uh, even the scuds can't get it completely. I don't know of anything that could. The Desert Shadow. Hey, Dan, just lost a shipment of, oh, Banshees and Abacaxis. Uh, so these are, I might have said Abacaxis wrong. That's a rare one that I don't hear very often. So these are Epistogrammas, I believe. Are you going to have some Epistos? Oh, in the near future. Um, the Desert Shadow. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear 
that, um, especially those two species. That's a rough one. And I'm going to have some Epistos, but probably not until I get into the warehouse. I might get some like McMasteri or Cacatoides or Agazizii or a couple of the common ones, but I'm not going to be getting anything um, more than that, I don't think, until we get into the warehouse for sure. Orange Jones, any chance of headstanders when the warehouse opens? I want more. Yes, there is very good chance of that. Absolutely. I like them a lot. Another, the Z, I like green fish. All right. <laughs> Redfish, bluefish, where's the green fish? Picta are my favorite fish, says Kelly Foreman. Yes, clearly, clearly a lady of good taste. <laughs> W. Marion, very exciting. Thanks for sharing the fish list. You're welcome. I, I mean, it went for almost an hour, so hopefully that was okay. Pairs Aquatics and Exotics, how are the double red epistos? I do have some um, that I removed. I, I need to actually get a hold of, let me make a note here. I can get back, circle back with you. I don't have any listed, but I, I do have a few that I held back, so... Bob Epistos. Just need to leave myself a note here so I remember. I think how crazy everything's been that I neglected to circle back on that, Bob. I, I apologize. So just for everyone, uh, what happened on the Epistos is there was a customer that had trouble with them. Um, and so I pulled them from the list and then I found out there was some ammonia in the tank, so I was comfortable selling them again. And then I, I shipped some to Bob, and as you saw in Bob's live unboxing, one of them for some reason did not do well, so I, I took them down. I just wanted to watch them a little longer to make sure that they were okay before I, I sold any again, and so um, they are okay. They've been okay for a while, actually. I just neglected to circle back. At least I think I did. I can't remember our conversation completely. I need to go look at um, our emails. Orange cones. It's funny how different species will school together. I finally caught my last headstander in their own tank. Is school with carry blues. <laughs> it's like, I've got no option, but school with the carry blues. <laughs> Cancer train. It's cheaper to raise guppies overseas in brackish saline water since fresh water is at a premium. I've had success with live bears in brackish than moving first gen fish fry into fresh yeah and salt in general helps whether they're raised in brackish or not it's just helpful um it relieves their osmotic stress and does all kinds of good things for them um and while it's true that there are guppies raised in brackish saline overseas not all are so part of what i'm doing is trying to make sure i find the suppliers that are not doing that so that i don't have to do that rough transition from soft water to harder water, or in this case, saltier water. Patrick's Aquatics, looking for a fun small fish to breed as a colony. Any suggestions I've considered? Things from Neolamprologus multifasciatus to Endlers to White Clouds. Well, if you want a fun colony to enjoy and watch some awesome breeding behavior, I don't think you can go wrong with your Neolampris, Lamprologus multifasciatus or Neolamprologus similis or, you know, those types of shell dwellers. They're fantastic. They colony breed, as you know, 
Um, their behaviors are amazing. They'll raise several generations of fry together. They're a ton of fun to watch. So that's the one I would do if you're trying to have fun colony breeding a fish. I would go for that. Just endlers and white clouds and stuff. That's fun. Yeah, let's. You could totally do that. But the behavior of those cichlids is going to keep you engrossed for like ever. They never get old. They're constantly rescaping their tank, moving sand around, moving their shells from one side to another. Um, they're just. It's never a dull moment with them. So that's what I would do. Miss Bateson Genetics. I'm really interested in breeding a wild type betta that is endangered and doesn't get a lot of love. Would you mind if I emailed you some questions about it? No, not at all. Please do. Dan at dancefish.com. Happy to help if I can. If I can't, I'll try to hook you up with someone who can help. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to help. And geez, pick your betta. Almost all of them are endangered because almost all of them come from limited habitats and uh, the habitats are under threat. They're just, there's a lot of development going on in their areas and, you know, industry moving in and things like that. So Dylan Grange, how is the store going? Any updates? Yep. I went over that at the beginning of the uh, stream, Dylan. So check out the beginning. It's coming along. It's coming along. Slower than I want, of course, but um, I think we should be dried in pretty soon. There's a lot of progress happening on that front. Mitchell Broom, I might be the one of your biggest wild betta buys, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. There are some others that I was able to sell. Um, oh, they're not coming to mind. But that specific fish I thought was awesome, the betta anabantoitis. And uh, just they haven't moved. Um, what's the other one? It's a giant better that's a bubble nest builder. It has awesome spangling on the sides. Ah. And there, there are a few select better species that will carry because they'll sell. But there's a lot of bettas out there. And I wanted to try some of the more, you know, exotic ones. and uh, Exotic, I don't know. Less mainstream ones in the hobby and... Those, like, you know, just aren't moving very well. <laughs> that was a mistake on my part from a business standpoint. W. Marion, maybe one night share images, info on the wild bettas you have. Yeah, I, I could do that. I don't have a lot now, though. Um, I, I've, I'm kind of selling out of what I have. And there's been a couple times when I brought in lots of different kinds of wild type bettas as a test. And, and honestly, because I'm a betta nerd, uh, I love them. They're one of the first groups of fish I really got into, those in killifish. Um, but, yeah, it's hard to make a business out of it. Mr. Idol Singh showing folks how to get my attention. Thank you. I've seen you do that twice. You've got my attention. <laughs> Oh, cancer train. The scuds from China or Russia was referenced to your earlier missile joke. Sorry, Han. <laughs> All right. I get it. I get it. Nope, they're from Iraq. Um, Ken's fish. I just started breeding orange killifish. I have about 20 fry now. Loving it. Awesome. I assume we're talking about the Aphiosimian um, Australi or Australi orange. They're fantastic. I'm glad they're doing well for you, Kent, and I hope that you have great success. And, uh, you know, I'd like to buy 100 babies from you when they get about an inch. 
Rachel Irwin, do you plan on carrying mollies once the warehouse is up and running? I breed tricolor mollies and I'm obsessed with the tiny babies. There are some mollies we'll keep and inbreed. It probably won't, I mean inbreed, and sell uh, at the warehouse. It's probably not going to be your super common strains though. We're probably going to go with, with some of the the ones that are a little harder to get. But yes, mollies are on the menu, if you will. have to do a test and make sure that they actually do well in that water. I think they will. And if they do, then yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bring in some varieties of mollies. Paul Soltero, if you've got an overabundance of pond snails, add Dwarficara Araguaya, did I say that right? To your tank, they'll have plenty of empty shells in no time. So there's a Dwarficara that pigs out on snails. That's good to know, Paul. Good tip, I did not know that. Leo Contreras, you have a price range on the 173s or not yet? Not yet. Um, and it's not because I'm having to like calculate in any like losses or anything like that. It's just I haven't been able to sit down and actually uh, plug those formulas in the spreadsheet and figure that out. So uh, right now, so when you first get the import in, the focus for the first week is hardcore taking care of the fish, looking at them very, we spend a lot of time just watching fish uh, to make sure that we don't see any issues because often you can see that in behavior before you will in, uh, I don't know, obvious symptoms or, or death, right? So we, we try to just really take some time with the fish. We get to know if they're eating, what they're eating, try to introduce them to new foods. All that takes a ton of time. So um, that's the first week is pretty intense. Then the second week, it's okay. We've got to label all these permanently. We have to um, take pictures of them all and get them listed. We have to write up descriptions of them. We have to price them. All that stuff kind of happens later. Often, I'm like the day before I have to list them finally getting to price everything out just because of everything we have to do before we can actually list the fish. So it's going to take me a little while yet. Liquid Zoo Only Fins, um, Get Gills, is there plans to let others do their own domains on Get Gills like has been done with Dan's fish? Um, no, and the dance fish isn't isn't done on get gills. Just to be clear, it's it's its own separate thing. We used the backbone of get gills, but we modified things pretty darn heavily, and are continuing to do that. Um, but no, there's basically get gills is going to be its own domain with its own stores listed on it. Um, we have had folks reach out who wanted to license the um, functionality. Um, and things like that, but so far, nothing that made sense. How's fish? Regarding the puffer lumps, they look hard and one is pinkish. Do you think corridors would make good tank mates? Want something from South America to clean up their mess? Um, honestly, um, oh, these are Amazon puffers. Well, Amazon puffers are more community-minded 
than maybe any other species of puffer that I've seen. And, and I'm basing that off observations of friends and people that I know that have kept them in community tanks for long term, like years, without problems. So if a puffer is going to work in a community tank, it's probably the Amazon puffer. However, I can't remember specifically if any of these tanks have quarries in them or not. Um, since quarries like to kind of settle at the bottom and just stay there, I think they're in more danger of getting picked on than, than a lot of other fish that are actively swimming and things like that. So I'm really not sure. I haven't done it myself, Hal, and I can't remember specifically if my friends who did it long-term, um, if any of them had quarries in the tank or not. Just, it's just a fault of my memory. I don't remember. So could someone in chat chime in? If you have kept um, Amazon puffers with quarries, and I don't mean for like a day or a week, I mean like long-term, did it go well for you? Let's let's let Hal know what your experience was, because I don't remember enough information to be really useful to that question. It is 828. We have a Betabellica. That's the one. Mitchell Broom. Yes. Betabellica is the large, big bubble nester. They did sell really well, and they are really pretty. They're, they're super pretty as well. The problem with a lot of these wild type bettas is a lot of them don't have a lot of color and the ones that do have color, it's subtle and it does not show up on camera. Like the Anabatoides are a beautiful green color right now, but you won't see it on camera. And so it's, it's hard to, it's hard to sell. Them. All right. The giveaway. So the giveaway for tonight, for those that don't know is for these terrifying looking creatures. These are scuds or amphipods. They make great fish food. They make great algae eaters. Um, they're amazing little creatures that I've cultured for years. And I love using them in my fish room as food and to clean up plants choked with algae. And the winner of some scuds is Aqua Balls. Hey, that's awesome. Aqua Balls, congratulations. You have won some scuds. You have uh, two minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here. And then the winnings will be official and uh, we can take care of it from there. While we're waiting for aqua balls, let's get to another question here. Um, Leo Contreras, are the L173s wild caught? No, all of my plecos are aquarium bred and raised, as are all of my Corydoras and all of the rainbow fish I have in right now. So. I'm working with a breeder that does often get wild caught stock, but then breeds them, establishes colonies and, and passes on domestically raised fish to me. So nope, um, they're not wild caught. Punchy paints, are you going next? If you are, let me know so I can move people your way. Aquaballs is here. Awesome. Aquaballs has won the scuds. Would you send me an email, Aquaballs, dan at dancefish.com, your first and last name and your mailing address, and I'll send those out to you uh, probably next week. I'll, I'll, we'll settle that via email. But congratulations. Thanks for being here. Thanks for playing. And um, with that, it's 8.30. So we're going to close this out. Let's see here. So it looks, I have Kayla's Aquatics and Exotics saying they didn't bother the quarries. So I'm guessing we're talking about Amazon puffers. 
Zeff says his regressive eaters and could bite a fish by accident. Yeah, that, that's always a concern with anything with teeth. Let's see here. Did anyone? Okay, Zeff has had Amazon puffers with Corey's for about nine months. So it sounds like Zeff and Bob Kaler have had uh, luck keeping those puffers with Corey's. So, hey, at least that's a... Yeah, at least that's a, a start in the direction you want to go. I mean, maybe have a plan B available until you know for sure how they're going to play together. But yeah, Punchy Paints is going tonight. All right, so we're going to end this here. Um, if you want more fish talk goodness and artsy amazingness, then head on over to Punchy Paints in about half an hour, and the party will continue. Before I sign off, I want to thank my moderators because without them we would be a mess so thank you um i'd like to thank everyone who gave a super chat much appreciated never required but alexander thank you that's super generous of you everyone else thank you as well but i mean when you throw down 200 dollars, it's like <laughs> um so thank you alexander um i want to thank everyone that left questions and comments and made this lively hail the lurker nation i am one of your members you just never know it because i'm lurking <laughs> everyone listening on the podcast thanks for being here and uh we'll be back next wednesday same bat time same bat channel until then i hope you all have a wonderful wife <laughs> bye bye